I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing Atomic Habits by James Clear. So I read this three months ago, I think, maybe towards the end of last year, beginning of this year. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I really wanted you to read it as well. And um, I think over the last week or so, you've, you've gotten into it and you said that you've enjoyed it too. It's, um, it's an area that I'm particularly interested in around you know, habits, motivation, action, how they all intertwine. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking, really looking forward to having a chat with you about this. Nice. Yeah, I really appreciate you recommending it to me because I've, I've absolutely loved it. I've taken so much of it on board. Oh, good. Good. That's nice to hear. It's, um, it's something I, when I was reading it, I just remember there's some real standout parts to it that I'm hoping to go through with you today. So, yeah. um, I wonder whether we start out, um, with his kind of his definition of habits and also around how they compound over time. Yeah. It's a good place to start. That's what I got on my notes. What is a habit? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is that? So one one version you give us is that it's re- repeated actions that you take over time. Is a yep. simple version of it. And he also he gave a few definitions, didn't he? One of them was like um, solutions to recurring problems. Yeah, yeah. And in the context of the environment you're in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, what his key point of the book is, I guess on the title it says, um, tiny changes, remarkable results. And one key thing he focuses on is how small 1% changes over time can lead to big results over the course Mm. of a longer period of time. So he gives a number of different examples, but how 1% improvements daily can compound over the course of a year. That's one of his key points in this book yeah and i guess that's the metaphor of the title right that an atom is something that's so small but has so much potential and energy within it and like something as small as a a one minute habit that you just keep knocking away at every day make you know it can feel like nothing on one day or two days or a week but in the long term of like a year or your life it as you say compounds to make such a big difference Mm. and so something you he highlights in this book is that um, it's not necessarily about a new habit forming over the course of 21 days. He kind of debunks that myth of, you know, 60 days and you can start a new habit for him. It's more about, um, you know, casting votes for the type of person that you want to be. So he he refers Mm -hmm. to it as getting the reps in. So it's not necessarily how many days you do something for, but it's more about how, many times you do it and just simply showing up mm. is a key strategy to forming a new habit. It's also worth um, mentioning that he speaks about how to break down bad habits as well. So today yeah. we'll be talking about um, how he describes um, building good habits and how to kind of get rid of or minimize the bad habits yeah. in your life as well. I guess those are the two main points of the book, right? Like he sells the idea of a habit and then he's like, here's how to build good ones. Here's how to break down bad ones. It's the same formula, but just in reverse. Something I immediately jumped on top of, and it, it goes into around, um, 
topics around, you know, delaying gratification and not seeing immediate results with habits. He talks about um, good habits. Um, you typically see the results in the long term, mm. where with bad habits, you feel the effect. Um, you feel the bad effects long term, but you get the reward in the short yeah. term. Yeah, the payoff so is immediate for a bad habit, but a payoff for a good habit is somewhere down the line. So yeah, it goes right back to that delay and gratification from uh, the road less travelled we talked about. Yeah. Have you got an example of that in your own life? I know he gives a couple in the book. I'm interested what's an example of a, yeah, a bad yeah. habit so, you might have. So, that's, uh, so in terms of the definition of a habit, there are like four aspects to it, right? There's the cue mm-hmm. for it. So an example for me, let's say a bad habit I might have had over the years is uh, eating pizza a lot. So the cue might be a sort of hunger. Uh, also the cue, the imagery that pops into your mind of like mm-hmm. what that would be like. Um, yeah. And then, then that induces the craving, which is the second part. So you've got the cue, yeah. then the craving is like the desire to have it, the drive for it. And then you've got your response, with, which is actually um, eating it. <laughs> oh, and yeah. then the, is it reaction was the fourth one? Uh, reward reward yeah so like reward. the, so the payoff sort of- for like how that feels in your body to then do that and obviously like the pizza eating that's an immediate reward it just feels instantaneously good as you're anticipating it and as it hits your tongue and as you're swallowing whereas feeling guilty you know the next day or even an hour later is is enough of a delay that the habit can be reinforced even though you might feel bad for it afterwards and he says in regards to the, the reward, in particular with bad habits, it's around trying to change our internal state. So whether that's reducing anxiety, reducing, anxer- um, reducing uncertainty, yeah. it's, it's an unhelpful way of responding to the feelings that we're having. That's yeah. what I said. Like we're, we're, we're trying to um, address an underlying problem that we have in our life. Yeah. So everything we do is trying to meet a need. It's just some things, uh, some things conflict with other needs. So like that immediate comfort of eating the pizza, for example, might be filling a need of, yeah, like comfort and certainty and pleasure. But obviously in terms of longer term health and self-respect or whatever, it, um, it clashes with them. So it's about finding those habits that, um, meet needs without compromising other needs, I guess. That's yeah. that'd be a definition of a good habit. And he says with, um, with bad habits, that's why they form so readily. They're yeah. so, they seem to happen so easily because they're, there's such a quick payoff for them. Mm. So I, I found that pretty interesting that they're, they're easier to form than, than good habits. Good habits often require a bit of pain so for example i'm you know if i've had like two or three weeks off the gym or something and i'm getting back into it i want to go to the gym and you know feel strong and you know look healthy and just have all the benefits of going to the gym but often that takes two weeks until i've started to see results or there's been a um you know that i'm feeling calmer or just the general benefits of exercise Mm. you don't see results straight away yeah so i guess back back to his compounding side of it if it's around building good habits so you can see the results down the track. And it's, yeah, yeah. it seems obvious in some ways, but I, I think it's something that people really tend to struggle with. Um, in particular with like diet and exercise, I, I, 
I feel like I'm, I try and be really disciplined in those small moments. And I maybe we'll expand on discipline a bit later, but I know that, you know, those moments at work when there's a, a chocolate cake been brought in for someone's birthday or there's just snacks going around. Yeah. People will often say, Oh, I'll live a little. It's just a little treat. Yeah. Um, I have something like in the moment, but my response to that, and I, I feel may- maybe I'm just unfortunate that I have that um, tendency in those moments to think long-term. Yeah. But I, I know that it's not just that one day that someone's going to be passing around a box of sweets or chocolate. It's yeah, yeah. across the week. So when I look at, um, when I'm feeling particularly um, <laughs> stringent and writing down everything I eat in a week, I've noticed early on, like if I just have that one bit of cake on a Monday, then someone's passed around a chocolate on a Wednesday. Yeah. Then on Saturday, it all adds up. And I think people can sometimes not see that those small decisions do build up over time. And I'm like, yeah. how can I expect to see results in the gym or feel any different if I'm constantly going in those moments where I can go either way, I'm choosing the, I'm casting a vote against myself. Yeah. Yeah. A that's a good person. way to put it. Yeah. Cause those, yeah. That, those examples, that, that selling tactic of like, Oh, it's just a one-time thing. Like oh. it's not true. It's cause you're like you say, you're casting a vote. You're embedding a principle that if I'm a little tempted and there's something going around, I'll take it. And each time you do that, you're embedding the principle that that's what you'll do. Um, mm. Whereas I really liked his idea of to, to build a new habit, a, a new good habit. It's a key aspect of it is making it part of your identity. So if yeah. you, if you see yourself fundamentally as a healthy person, then rather than like taking that peer pressured argument of, it's just a one-time thing. Just in each of those scenarios are saying, what would a healthy person do? What would a healthy person do? Yeah. If you constantly uh, rack up those votes for acting the way a healthy person was would do, at some point you sort of cross this threshold of, of embedding that core belief and seeing yourself as a healthy person. Mm. And suddenly yeah. those decisions aren't as much of a struggle anymore. I've, I've found that in... I guess in particular with, with exercise um, and, and diet in particular, there, there is a threshold that you cross over and he, he speaks to yeah. this as well. There's at some point you start to have more votes in the case yeah. of I'm a healthy person. And also when it, when it comes to let's say you are a healthy person and you're maybe choosing to eat um, some unhealthy food, you're doing it more consciously and you've got a bit more perspective of it. Mm-hmm. So you can, I feel a bit freer to make those choices rather than being at the whim of my bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to correct my internal state when I'm not feeling good or I'm feeling a bit lazy. Yeah. My center of gravity, my compass, you know, is secure. Yeah. But when I'm making those choices, it's a bit more conscious. It's more, and I can be more forgiving of myself because in the broader context, I am a healthy person. Yeah. I've just made a choice to eat unhealthy today. Yeah. 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 It's you're still maintaining that um identity as a of a healthy person. I love it in the book. He's like, decide who you want to be. Yeah. And um cat cast votes. Yeah. It's such a nice yeah. way to put it, right? Because each time um a, a new cue hits for a bad habit is an opportunity for uh casting a vote for that person mm. you've said you want to be. 
And um, I was listening to the podcast you did with Sam Harris today, and he said, um, from Sam Harris's point of view, that the the only way to be the person that you want to be is in is to improve moment by moment. So you're faced with choice points throughout the day to cast votes, like what type of person do I want to be? Yeah. In that moment, that's when you're you're being the person you want to be. So that's good for your your experiencing self and your remembering self as right. well. So when you look when you look back at your week, you're able to go, oh yeah, I, I made a series of choices that were beneficial for me. But yeah. also in, in those very moments, you're making clear choices that are in line with the identity you're trying to pursue and the person you want to be. Yeah. Finding that balance right between uh, enjoying something as it's happening for the experiencing self, but also feeling good about it in hindsight. And I guess that's like the magic formula we're all trying to find. Because <laughs> um, yeah. if you can enjoy your life and look back at it and think, oh, that was great, then job done, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I think that, that, that's an error of this that did confuse me at first around the experiencing self and the remembering self. But yeah. the way you've just put it then is quite quite clear. It's like, can we look back at the person we were and the choices we made and look at that in a positive light? And also just in a day-to-day sense, feel that we're making good choices. Because when people, it, it links a bit to you know, people saying, oh, just live in the moment, just do what feels good. Mm. Um, just one chocolate, it's just one skipping day of the gym or whatever. But that, in the remembering self would not look on that favorably. And then I'd say not long after the experiencing self has made that um, bad choice, mm. it's not long after that you'd feel guilt around those decisions as well. And, and yeah, that's right. And the key that we often neglect is that our experiencing self is still um, interpreting and making meaning of our, of our experience. And that's why we mm. decide it's good or bad. So for example, um, working out, if you've not done it for ages, then it's, it, you know, you're, you're, it's really uncomfortable. You feel bad about yourself because you're probably surrounded by people who look a lot fitter than you or whatever. <laughs> and, you're, and you're literally tearing muscle fiber. Like you're, you're, you're ripping bits of your body. Like, of course it's going to be uncomfortable, but even over time, like even if you've been, um, let's say lifting weights for a long time, you're still tearing muscle fiber. When you do that, it's still, you know, your body's telling you there's a discomfort there, but the meaning you make of that discomfort, is like, Oh, like I'm the man, like this feels great. Like that burn feels good. You learn to enjoy that pain. And so then you even, even your experiencing self, is loving it and then obviously you look back on it and like i feel great i did that so i think a misconception is that we can we can change the meaning of our experience to even find discomfort pleasurable in the moment is that what he refers to as um reframing associations possibly (laughs) yeah yeah that's come up i think that's where yeah you associate an activity that you typically might not want to do with something something good so mm. first in the gym you're like oh fuck my arm hurts because i'm lifting weights but then eventually that same burn becomes a good burn you're, you're reframing mm. the way you're seeing it and it becomes yeah. more satisfying and enjoyable because of that i remember when i was a kid um like asking my mom to go to mcdonald's and 
and her telling me like, oh, like the smell of that place and the idea of eating one of those things like disgusts me. And I was like, that's mm. so confusing to me because like they've built that machinery to be like, to be that perfect. Um, oh, there was a phrase for it in the book when it was like hyper-stimulation or something to, to like okay. really yeah. tap into our... Um, you know, our human desire for like salt and fat and sugar. So yeah. like, I was like, how can you find that disgusting when it's been perfectly tailored for your like human desire to crave that thing? But like, obviously later in life, it made a lot more sense that she's obviously associated like the smell of the fat, the grease, like what those things look like, what those mm. hamburgers look like to, to disgust. And like, yeah. And that's where you want to be, right? At a point where the things you don't want to do, you also associate with being unpleasant, and the things well, they become want to... unattractive, aren't they? Mm. They're not—they're not even attractive anymore. It's—it's it's really interesting, that, isn't it? How things that used to be um, attractive and enticing to you become totally off—off-putting. That's a really great example. You—you you yeah, hear like, it a lot with smokers, right? Who quit that, like, if they've quit for a while, they look back and think they smell it, and they're like, "Oh, that." that smells disgusting to me now. How could I have enjoyed that? Yeah. I hear that. Quite mm. a yeah. It's an interesting, and it's a great example of like young, impressionable Luke, like <laughs> yeah. wanting mum to take him to Macca's in Yeovil. And then like, uh, your mum kind of just probably had enough bad experiences of McDonald's and feeling shit afterwards, that she's just like, God, I don't want to go back there again. And I think um, things like, um, I don't know if you've ever watched documentaries on, diet or health or something then you that's really inspired you for maybe a certain amount of time it's like i'm gonna eat mm. this way now and yeah it's um so these four strategies these four parts of a habit he talked about the cue the craving the response and the reward it, it's like we can utilize each one of those four to either build a good habit or like minimize a bad habit so yeah. the one we're talking about now is the cue we want to make it is it attractive, the first one? Um, obvious. Make it obvious, yeah, so right. <laughs> you, yeah, you want to make it obvious. So, um, example, um, God, if you want to floss your teeth after you've brushed your teeth, leave the floss next to the toothbrush in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so an one. obvious then, one, one I've... Um, so th I've built loads of habits in the last couple of weeks after since reading this book. And... Um, so I'm, I've been meditating the first thing I do after I wake up. So I've been setting an alarm and that mm. alarm is my cue to meditate. So that's yeah. very obvious because I'm yeah. so now associating the noise of my alarm with um, now mm. my time to meditate. Yeah. And whilst, whilst we're on it, he talked about habit stacking. So we can use a habit we've built as the cue for a new habit we want to build. So yeah. once, so now I've, after meditating, I do my press ups. And so it's like, I yeah. finish meditating. Oh, that's my cue to now do press ups. And I really yeah. like that idea that you can sort of build habits on top of each other. I'd, um, can you run through maybe your, just keep going a bit with your morning routine now and go through the cue craving response reward for me. I'd, I'd like to hear kind of yeah. how you, how you link them together. So you, you've got the cue, the alarm's gone off. Yeah. And so okay. that's, now it's obvious. So it's like, now's my time to meditate. Uh, I guess yeah. <laughs> if I've just woken up, yeah, it might be interrupted by going for a wee, 
but then like, yeah, mm. then it's meditate. And then, so then the craving is, um, making it attractive. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the, um, identity thing. So I like, I want to see myself as a meditator. I've like, um, I I've, he doesn't actually talk about this, but something I've been utilizing quite a lot is using imagery to like, mm. you know, remember all the times in the past where you've like meditated and felt so much more grounded. And I think about the person I want to be in the future for whatever mm. situations I want to put myself in. Yeah. Like, and so that, that, that makes it attractive for me using the identity of like, I want to be a meditator. Yeah. Right. And, and right. then it's, um, make it easy i think is the that's your response yeah so you're making that's around making actually doing the meditation and aspects of your morning routine in itself easy to do so have you got yeah. a, a mat have you got the the cd you're listening to already in the cd player um i mean what how, how do you make it easy for yourself well um yeah. So, so it's obvious it's attractive and to make it easy, he, uh, he talked about this two minute rule. So it's like, mm -hmm. if you're trying to build a new habit, like first, just do it for two minutes, even if that seems like ridiculously small to you. Um, yeah. and so I've, before reading this book, I, I was doing sort of, you know, between sort of 10 minute, half an hour meditations sporadically. And so yeah. I was like, okay, if I want to be a daily meditator, yeah, I will, um, there's no excuse not to do it for two minutes. So to make it easy, which yeah, I, I, I've got my little, um, uh, like timer next on the floor where I would sit on the cushion to meditate by the window. Yeah. And, um, by the just, window. well, that's worth remembering. You've got like a nice space to do it. That's not associated with, um, you don't do it in the same place you're watching TV. You're not doing it in yeah. the same place. You, you do your work at your desk. You found a, a space for it. So it's, mm. it's personal as well. Sorry to yeah. jump in. No, I, no, it's I, a good point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, I guess that, that goes back to the second one of making it attractive. It's, it's yeah. different. Even though my eyes might be closed, having that morning light on my face is better than looking at a wall. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And with so, the two minute, hmm. sorry, with, with the two minute rule as well, just on the um, making it easy, that goes to what he says around um, you have to establish a habit before you can um, improve it. Yeah. So this is a big problem I've had in my life. Yeah, yeah. Please expand on this. Yeah. Go for it. Well, yeah. It's just this is probably one of the key ones because I guess when you recommended the book, I kind of had a feeling of I know this stuff. Like I've read. Um, uh, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. I've like studied mm -hmm. behaviorism and Noel Skinner's stuff. Yeah. So it's like, you f I feel like it might be a waste of time in a way, but I've, he's really made it specific to a human life <laughs> to like, uh, yeah. which, and so part of it for me is my, when we first went into lockdown, um, couldn't go to the gym, which uh, interrupted a habit I'd formed and was quite happy mm. with eventually I got into these home workouts, but I was like, when I go to the gym, there's someone that like, I go to these classes and there's someone there saying like, do it, do it, do it. And yeah. that keeps yeah. me going. And I think I was expecting the same amount from myself on my own in my living room. Mm. And so like I kept up for a couple of weeks, but then I was starting to dread it. And 
Actually, yeah. You sort of push through the dread, you get through it, you feel good about yourself for having done it. But like, did I enjoy it in the moment? I, not as much. That's as it, you're, miss, you're missing one of those aspects yeah. of the four you talked about, aren't you? It's not attractive. It's not, it's becoming harder to do as well. Yeah. And yeah. so like, then, and but I didn't realise, like now I see that as a warning sign. At the time, I was like, this is just a way I feel and I just need to use my willpower to push through. But yeah, eventually it slid off. I woke up one morning tired and I was like, not today. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so, uh, why was I saying this? So yeah, making it easy, I think is so important to really establish like it's, it's not, there's no room for that dread because it's just so automatic, like cleaning your teeth. You just yeah. do it. And once it's like that, then you can expand it. Once you're enjoying it, you can expand mm. it. And so it that's what non-negotiable. I've, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like non-negotiable anymore. Yeah. So with my meditation, I was getting to the end of the two minutes and thinking like, I was literally just starting to get into this. I really want to do more. <laughs> and for a couple yeah. of days, I didn't let myself. But then like, I, I've now upped it to five minutes, which is still like so easy in terms of myself of thinking to do it. But I'm actually, because mm. I'm enjoying it, I, I want to do it for longer. Mm. Um, so that's really helped is, me. Is there a moment in which... So I'm just thinking, this is a great example with your meditating. Is there a moment in which you recognize you're like, this is happening now, like I'm going. Like for me with the gym, it's like the moment I've walked out the door at whatever time in the morning it is and I'm on the tram to go to the gym, I'm like, this is happening now. Like the habits began. Mm. You know, what, what, what's, what's your moment where you just, you know it's happening because the alarm's gone off. Mm. Is it the moment you get out of bed and sit down? Is it literally the moment you just get out of bed? If I understand you right, you know, like these choice points we've talked about, like once you've taken the the path of not release resistance, the road less traveled, let's say, once you've taken that path, then it's, you're just on there, aren't you? Like, it's just, it's going to happen. I guess for me with the meditating, it's, it's, having sat on the floor, I think. Yeah. 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 Because getting out of bed is still easy. Like it's still not quite there. Yeah. Mm. He talks about like reducing the friction as well. So, um, with, um, I guess we're kind of jumping between examples here, Mm. but um, I guess like with going to the gym in the morning, it's, um, I reduce the friction of going to the gym because my bag's already packed by the door, ready yeah. to go. I've got, all, I've got all my day's clothes in there. I've got my lunch ready in my lunchbox in the fridge. So I literally have to pick up the bag, chuck in the lunchbox, and I'm out the door. Mm. Where it's, yeah, reducing that friction. So imagine with, um, just trying to think, with, with meditate, you know, if you didn't have your, you have to go downstairs to go and grab the pillow that you're going to meditate on, or... I just I thought, I just thought, yeah. so... I didn't even realize this was a habit because it's so established, like cleaning my teeth. But when I get out of bed, I make my bed. And so when I'm mm. in the middle of making my bed, I, I have three pillows and I, I grab one of them and I just swing it towards the window. Like it's just become oh, a routine I... of my, like making the bed. Yeah. So now like after I've made, done that habit, there's just a pillow on the floor by the window. And like, yeah, yeah I just nice. realized that that's, <laughs> that's reducing the friction to do the meditation. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, just thinking of, um, I suppose, just tying up the, the four stages. Um, so cue, craving, response, reward. Yeah. In the final step, how, 
how is meditation for you feels like an obvious question because I know you, but how do you make sure that it's satisfying for you? Yeah. So sometimes, as you kind of alluded to, it's inherently satisfying in that I found that peace and especially because I've been setting this habit of waking up earlier as well. I can wake up because that's not established yet in my sort of circadian rhythm. I'm I'm still a bit groggy when I get out of bed. Sometimes there's that resistance to getting out of bed. And having meditated for five minutes, I just feel so much better, like more alert. So Mm. that can be inherently satisfying, but not always. So sometimes, as any meditator will know, you you might, as, as much as you're trying to maintain like the focus on the breath, the sounds in your environment, the visual field, like your mind can just spiral and you can think and five minutes can go by and it's like, I've just been dwelling on something for five minutes. And it's a bit unpleasant, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So I think in those moments, that's where the identity thing comes in and you can tell yourself Mm -hmm. like, look, I've casted a vote for my identity as a meditator and like well done mate like that is good (laughs) good for you like i think you still got up you still got Mm. on with it you went yeah whereas like if you'd gone the other way you'd be probably your mind would still be racing about the same stuff you just wouldn't have sat down and meditated about it and you'd be feeling yeah 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 and it without doing that consciously it, it could be very easy to beat yourself up for not being as present, which mm. obviously um, makes it unsatisfying, yeah. which um, re- like makes it harder to establish that habit. Mm. Yeah, I, f- I feel like, um, yeah, that's a really great example you've used there, especially because there's a number of elements to it that lead up to it as well. It's not necessarily just a simple like, oh, I just do this, like you recognise that there's, you know, you've got to wake up, you've got to set the scene, you've chosen the place, you've made sure it's satisfying and mm. you've made sure you, to the best of your ability, turn up mm. and do it, even if it's um, unpleasant. I guess the the satisfying aspect of it is that you've you've turned up, that you've, you've yeah, casted a vote of yourself mm. as a... a I, I, I would emphasise majority of the time the satisfaction is how I feel because of the meditating, but like I I'm aware that I can't guarantee that. So uh, Mm. I have uh, on the, on the, um, you know, in the back pocket, I have congratulating myself for showing up as a piece of satisfaction. If I don't see it as a very present session. Mm. Well, so, you know, it's a bit of self-compassion there as well, isn't it? You kind of, you know, being grateful and appreciative of yourself and your, choices that you make as well is this um positive thing it's so funny that we've talked about this for so long and like you asked me about my routine and, and like just i want to emphasize i won't go into all of them but emphasize that this is one small habit that i stacked on top of about probably 15 in my morning or more so it's it's interesting yeah well we can talk about one for so much so long yeah well let's um should we, should we go a bit more into habit stacking i feel I, i've got a an interesting perspective on it in terms of when habit stacking goes wrong. So I'm wondering whether you could talk a little bit about your experience with habit stacking and the benefits of that. And I guess in the context of your morning routine, Mm. um, meditation being one part of it. Um, And then I'll throw a bit out there how I've seen the downsides to habit stacking as well. So um, yeah, yeah. I've definitely, I've definitely experienced, 
I've experienced both as well. And I am a little cautious about how uh, gung-ho I've been about my current routine. Because if that house yeah. of cards falls down, right, the whole thing yeah. can crumble. Um, but yeah. at, the, at the moment, it's like, yeah, it, the, the alarm goes off and it's like, I want to be a morning person. That, that's a piece of identity I've decided. Yeah, that, that's yeah. part of who I want to be. So it's like, there's that reward for doing that. And then that becomes the, you know, making the bed. I didn't even realize that habit until we've talked about it, but making the beds a habit, throwing the cushion, then mm. that's my cue for meditating. Yeah. The, uh, the five minute timer dings, that's my cue for press-ups. I change the timer to one minute. I just do as many press-ups as I can in a minute that dings, I do tricep dips for a minute, that dings, and that's my cue for um, just getting dressed, getting my um, um, like headset on and walking out the front door. And then, then I've got a whole, uh, I've, li- I've been listening to this like Tony Robbins morning um, sort of incantation, visualization, expressing gratitude thing. So like, as you talked about earlier with the, like, once you've done it, it's up and running. That's one where once the headphones are in, it's up and running. I'm just following what he's saying. That's easy to do because I don't have to make any decisions. He's just telling me, breathe like this, uh, visualize this, mm-hmm. um, do this. In- do you know where you're, do you know where you're walking as well? Is that like oh, a yeah. set amount of time, like a, a loop, like a 10, 15 minute loop or something or a half an hour loop? So I, I walk to this local park, um, I don't do like a quantity of loops, but I just keep going around it until I finish the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then 15 minutes of that's my cue for (laughs) a, uh, strength workout. Um, and I've just been cycling through again, I've got, there's an app for it, so I don't have to make any decisions. It's just like, I know which one I'm doing this morning. Mm. Then after that, (laughs) my cue for 10 minutes of yoga, and then uh, what I want to do after that is I've established, I want that to be my cue for calling you. So, so I talked yeah. about um, at about 7.45, I'm outside having just exercised and you're walking home from work because of yeah. the time, time difference. And I thought that'd be a really nice time to have a quick catch up as, you know, as I'm sort of warming down and walking home. Mm. Then it's uh, in the shower my <laughs> uh, getting all sudded up with soap is my cue for turning on the cold tap and I have a cold shower afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cool, cool. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's where I've got to at the moment. Uh, I would say I could probably go on to a few more I've built throughout the day, but that's enough of a stack to realise yeah. how a whole routine can be built up. And that's all about within an hour and 15 minutes. Hmm. And do you, do you feel the benefits of, I, I guess it's kind of naming it habit stacking, but do you, do you feel that one thing leading on to another, one good habit leading on to another habit has been, it sounds like it's been clearly beneficial because once you've done one of them, it's clear you're going to do the next one. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it becomes this sort of autopilot do, do, do. I say that yeah. I've only been doing it for a week and a half and I know I've had yeah. periods in the past of doing similar things that have crumbled down, which is probably I'll pass on to you for what you were going to say about when that can go wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's, I've, I've seen the 
absolute benefits of um, habit stacking. I've got my morning routine too. It involves um, some journaling on the tram ride to the gym in the morning. And, you know, I won't kind of go through all of mine because it's similar to yours, maybe cut down a little bit. But um, I've found that the only problem if you over habit stack is that if you forget one, Mm. you tend not to do the rest. It can crumble quite quickly. So I guess it's just a a warning to myself. I notice when I don't meditate in the morning, I won't then do my gratitude and intentions afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And then if I like by that time, it's probably a bit, it feels like it's a bit ruined and then I won't journal Mm. on the bus into work or tram to the gym or whatever. Mm. And, And then I've, I've sort of everything's out of whack. So I I wonder whether there's a, um, yeah, like a a warning label to over habit stacking. And I think this leads on quite nicely. There's, um, I've I've just got the book here. I couldn't write it all down, but yeah, he's got a bit at the end of the book around how to recover when your habits break down. Oh yeah. So I'm thinking about how, okay, when I've forgotten to do my, um, well, not forgotten, right? But I've, I've not done my morning meditation <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not going to the gym and I've forgotten to do my intention and gratitude because it's all out of whack. He's basically saying that there's, we, we often fall into the habit of thinking we have to be all or nothing mm. with our habits. And that is exactly why I don't do the rest of my morning cycle because if I'm like, well, if I've forgotten the meditation, yeah. then what's the point? Like the, day, the day's a write-off. And I don't think yeah. I would verbalize it or say it like that but i think internally that's what's going on it's like well i've missed my i've missed my chance now yeah so what he says is um the problem is thinking that you if you can't do something perfectly you shouldn't do it at all Mm. so yeah i guess that's what i think is my issue i have with upholding habits is that i'm I'm relatively disciplined doing them and i I feel quite good about my attitude and general levels of motivation but i feel that if i can't do them perfectly then i shouldn't do them at all yeah so for yeah. example today i i didn't do some morning journaling it's the weekend but then i was thinking about i don't know i was going to talk to you about this and <laughs> just in general trying to keep up with the learnings of the book so i just wrote in my journal just like five lines i just yeah. did something and that was that's good. And then I can look at my little habit tracker, which we might get onto like habit tracking. I'm like, mm. Oh, I can, I can tick that I've done my journey and I did my meditation. I did all this. So anyway, that's my mm. small gripe slash problem with yeah. habits and, and how perfection ties into that as well. The, yeah. So he gave this example of this guy who wanted to lose weight. And so uh, and he'd read he'd read the book, and so he decided I'm going to build this habit of after work going to the gym every day, but I'm not allowed to stay longer than five minutes. <laughs> like even yeah. if he was loving it, he had like it was midway exercise, five minutes gone. I have to leave. So he's kind of making himself because it's so tempting to push yourself to the point of then it becoming unattractive. And then maybe you mm. wait the next day, you're feeling a bit more groggy and it's, you feel like you have to do the same you did the day before. So mm. I think that making it easy is a big one, which mm. is what the problem is when you start stacking them because 
um, suddenly if you're viewing it as one entire sequence rather than individual small things, Mm. it's now an enormous thing you have to do. Um, And also you might, I'm just thinking about how you could, you could rush one aspect of it as well. You're not doing everything in its own right for its original purpose. Um, you know, I, I journal because I like to do that in the morning to get a lot of my, you know, thoughts out and things. But if I end up like just just rushing it because it's part of a sequence, I want to get on to the next thing. Yeah, it makes me think a bit about how um, over time I'm, I'm wondering whether that routine you've got could eventually get a bit boring, and how you could um, maximize it or improve it. Yeah, so the the red flags that are waving for me at the moment. um, So I think the way having stacking would work is once you've really embedded a habit. So something like uh, cleaning your teeth is a good example because it's something you've probably even forgot it, forgot how and when you embedded it, but it's just something you know will happen every day. So um, that would be a good habit to be a cue for another habit if you wanted to build a new habit because you know you're going to do it so i think that's Mm. the like core principle of stack habit stacking and maybe we're i'm at risk of uh with the routine i've talked about having done for a week and a bit is that i've been stacking habits on top of habits that aren't really established yet um I'm, I'm, i'm enjoying it at the moment and i you know, you can uh, probe me as we, as week by week to see how I'm doing, but like that's where the, there's potentially a risk. So it's like I think it's like ingrain a habit, trust that it's it's like brushing your teeth, and then yeah. stack another one on top of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the key. Um, well, what one of his key ideas I'd say in the book that a, a lot of people when I've um, seen other people talking about this they talk a lot about habit stacking and the benefits of it but that's a that's an interesting side about having seen that you you don't want to habit stack on top of habits that aren't fully established so is it kind of yeah habit building on a one, one, loose foundation right <laughs> yeah yeah what one thing at a time um yeah something i wanted to speak to you about that you i think Think could be worth hearing from you because you gave a great explanation of it was around um the we we derive the same amount of pleasure um in anticipating oh, yeah. the result or the goal as the same as experiencing the goal and i'm yeah. wondering um i know that we both ran marathons as well so i'm just wondering whether um you could tie that example into explaining around um, anticipatory goals versus actually experiencing the goal itself. Cause he talks a lot about how once we've achieved a goal, we're kind of back to where we were. You know, there's mm. like a lot of anticipation towards the goal, but it's, it shouldn't be about goals. It should be more about process. So mm. for example, a marathon isn't about running a marathon. It's about becoming a good runner and maybe mm. doing more of that across your life. But I know me and you did marathons like, just i don't think we planned on doing more than one i'm not ever doing one again because it was like horrid i know yours is pretty <laughs> grim um, so i'm just yeah that, that just made me think about um i know it's a bit of a broad way of explaining it but how like we had a singular goal to do like one thing and mm. it wasn't really identity based right um, so there was like 
Yeah. I so there, there are two things there. Yeah. yeah. So the first one is this um, idea of anticipation and reward. And there's loads of studies on this that like our, we think of our like dopaminergic system as, as that payoff for eating the pizza, like that pleasure of, um, I don't know, having their next drink or that cigarette, but what drives habits like, sorry. So there's two aspects to our drive system is anticipation and, and payoff or reward. And actually yeah. what drives habits isn't so much the reward, but the anticipation like that's, it's the craving part that <laughs> where yeah. people get addictions, you know, when, you know, if you're gambling on the slot machine all day, what keeps you going is, is more that like urge to keep going rather, and like sometimes the payoff isn't even that great. Um, this can be a problem with people when we like keep moving the goalposts because like we might achieve our goal and then it's like, it's a bit anticlimactic and suddenly, mm-hmm. but that drive to, um, get this thing we think we're going to get uh, is enough to just move the goalpost. Oh, maybe I'll feel great when I get this promotion or I earn this amount of money or I hmm. get this car or this house or whatever. Um, so that ties in because we, I think we, we think our habits are built on the rewards when actually it's, yeah, it's the anticipation in terms yeah. of, I'm not, can you help me understand how you are linking that to the marathon thing? Well, I guess we, like, we, we did that as like a once-off thing, didn't we? Yeah. Like that, that wasn't a longer term goal of ours to become a runner. I'm, I just remember that feeling of, there's a lot of anticipation about like, oh, how cool is it going to be when I finish it? That's going to feel great. And then I remember crossing that finish line and all this like joy flooding in and joy, relief, confusion, mm. like disbelief as well. It was, yeah, it's it quite an incredible feeling, but I just remember it not quickly. Like I, I derived a lot of satisfaction and joy from that. <laughs> it had a, had a lot of meaning for me, but like yeah. the moment, not long after it was done, I kind of returned back to baseline because I was like, well, I don't want to, keep running like but this is a really good case in point right so you're saying that the reward felt incredible but yeah but you're in terms of how attractive it is for you now you just you described it as horrid (laughs) so it's like yeah it's not nice yeah it's um and and it's not a habit right so no it's just a one-off thing you did which you enjoyed the reward of Mm. i guess it makes you it makes you worth thinking about like what what things do we actually pursue in our lives like separating the two like am i doing something once off just because i want to do it and challenge myself or when it comes to doing things that i want to do more permanently and more an ongoing basis Mm. it's worth thinking a bit more about enjoying the process because the process of training for a marathon wasn't enjoyable either like none, none of it, none of it was particularly enjoyable, but I'm thinking about longer term goals of like health goals, looking, I don't know, you might want to look a certain way or um, lose weight or something like that. How important it is to have, to enjoy the process yeah. and make the, um, make the anticipate, yeah, make, make the whole process attractive, yeah. not just the end goal, because with the yeah. marathon, 
just the end goal was attractive. And I know how that felt when it was done. Yeah. But I like, think if yeah. I would reframe what I think is going on is that like you have an identity of someone who uh, wants to experience life and try new things. And like doing a marathon once was, was casting a vote for being that person who tries new things. Yeah. Doing it, doing it twice <laughs> isn't a vote for that anymore because you've done it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you, it doesn't sound like you want to be a runner. Like that's not an identity you're desiring. If it were, then yeah, we, we would want to help you like find ways to actually find pleasure in the run itself. Like, you know, some yeah. people talk about getting that endorphin hit and like getting to the point where they actually love it. Um, mm. But because it's not something like you find other ways to keep fit, it's doesn't sound like yeah. um, it's mm. something you want particularly. Mm. I just want to throw in an example like that that was a bit separate to daily habits and more around just kind of achieving one-off things and yeah. how. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I want to uh, go into how to like minimize and get rid of bad habits. I wonder if you've, since reading this book, if that's inspired you to kind of um, cut out something you've noticed you don't want to do as much. Yeah, I think that's um, yeah, a good thing to move on to because I, I, I'm feeling like we've, we've dug into the things I was super keen on as well. So I'm yeah, happy to talk about that. I'm thinking what example to give. Um, I guess phone use has been something I've been really conscious of um, the last year. Recently, it's become a bit more difficult because of um, everything that's going on, mm. but I feel like I'm using it more to make even calls like this and at work we're doing interactive um, meetings and things like that. But in general, I made, I made a, a goal. We started out, before I read this book, I made a goal to cut my phone use down um, in terms of screen time yeah. on my phone. So I want to cut my screen time down to one hour a day. Um, so I suppose I'll talk a bit about it and then I'll go through the process. So my initial tactic was to start off by making it easy for myself. So at mm. the time, I think I was just getting a bit carried away with it. And I mean, I was texting a lot of people and I was putting up a lot of content. So I was going some really cool trips in a short period of time. So I was on it a lot. So when I first started the goal, I tried to make it, um, easy for myself by setting myself something quite realistic. I'm like, okay, let's cut my screen time down to two hours, 30 a day, something I can mm -hmm. definitely do. Did you know what it already days. was? Like, had you measured it already? Ah, oh, it was, I think in the weeks running up to it, I just sort of totally lost all sense of discipline and control over it. I'm not like and asking for a number. I'm curious, yeah. like if you already more. knew something yeah. like, oh, this is where I'm at already. And this is where I'm going to try and bring it down to. I, I said it, I mean, it must've been something like, three to four or something, yeah, yeah. something that I was unhappy with. Yeah. yeah. But I started off by picking something that was man doable. Yeah. So like, like the guy going to the gym, like I can just go to the gym for two minutes. That's easy. I can get that done. So I suppose I'm jumping a bit onto, um, around how I made it easy for myself to build a good habit with a phone. But I suppose in getting rid of it, I made it, it difficult 
oh, I'm trying to think. How, how have I made that difficult for myself? In my setting up. Well, I, I suppose I'm, I'm almost talking about a good habit of phone use rather than getting rid of the bad habit of bad phone use. But <laughs> right. I'll keep, yeah. I'll, I'll keep well, going. I'll keep two going. sides of the yeah. same coin. No, I think, I think it's minimizing a bad habit. If you're saying that you were on your phone too much and you wanted to less that time. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll keep going with it and, um, yeah, chuck it. Yeah. Help me out if needed. Um, so what I did in the morning was, so ways of doing that was in the morning, I said, I wouldn't turn on my phone until I got on the tram after going to the gym. So I would, my morning, so I'd normally be in the gym by say six, six thirty after doing meditation and all that sort of thing. So I wouldn't check my phone until I got on the tram. So um, prior um, to that, when would you usually check it? I would usually check it like when I wake up. Or so, after, so your bad yeah. habit was waking up was a cue to check your phone. So I'm wondering like, what did you use to, to stop doing that? I bought an alarm clock. Oh, nice one. Yeah. In the morning. Yeah. I didn't realize. Yes. I bought this alarm clock that, um, it's a cool one. It like gets lighter as like half an hour before you wake up. I don't think that's important, but like, (laughs) sorry to interrupt, but I I literally this week have done the exact same thing. I bought an alarm clock because I'm like, I don't want my phone to be an alarm. So it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So that was, that was my first, um, I did a fair bit of reading on like how to cut down your phone use and things like that as well. So one's around, um, putting your, yeah, I'll get into it. So one of them is about putting the apps that you are trying to avoid using in folders. Oh, yeah. Like, so you have to go into a folder to get onto the app. I've set screen time limits on each of the apps. So it gives you, so I put um, 10 minutes of use on Facebook and my purpose, I'm trying to be purposeful of my use. So I go on there to check if um, any of my favorite, like, speakers or philosophers or bands are releasing new music that's so literally you, the only reason I'm on that. and yeah. what happens after 10 minutes um it goes um you have one minute left all um, oh, right so it's a um, real like cue minutes. to use it um yeah. uh, purposefully and and with yeah um what's the word i'm thinking of it begins with d intentionally oh yeah intentionally that'll do i don't yeah, know what yeah. the d word was um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right um but yeah, so it's, it's deliberately, <laughs> deliberately. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know, um, what's it? Yuval Hari. Is that his name? Yeah. He talks about that, like how technology is so much stronger than we realize on us. And it's been designed by psychologists who know right. how the brain works. So you need to be purposeful with your use of it. So, right. right. Um, yeah. So in, in addressing this bad habit, I set limits on different apps. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing I did. You can make the screen um, darker. You put on a dark screen. I yeah. also mate. I set mind. I found a way to um, make your phone black and white. So I did that as well. Yeah, perfect. Um, and then another thing I did was to change the way my notifications work on my phone. Yeah. So what I've done. It's weird. I've, I've tried different things with this, but it's worth thinking about. So one thing I did was I was working casually at the time. So casual workers, um, where I work, you'd get called up randomly and go, Hey, yeah. do you want a shift? And if you don't pick up your phone, yeah. like you're missing out on work, therefore you're missing out on money. So yeah, yeah. what I did was I set work phone numbers to be, uh. have a different vibration in my pocket. So I just made up these vibrations that are a bit like nuts. So yeah, I yeah. Like properly feel it. So whereas before every time my phone would buzz in my pocket, I would, 
pick up so I'm like, oh fuck is that work could that be work and then every time it's just like yeah someone's it's a really good idea me. yeah and I, I suppose you could app- set it so only certain people can get through as well right i don't know if you oh, can exactly. there must be a setting yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. so it's like if it's like i own i want complete silence but if it's if it's a call to from work to earn money, then I do want that to ring. Yeah. yeah. You literally, you literally can do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely on the phone I've got anyway. I've yeah. um, so there was that I did as well. There was thinking about how I put, um, how notifications showed up on my phone on the screen. I've tried different things with this because sometimes when you take off notifications, you can become curious to have I got a notification, but then if they <laughs> just come up on the yeah. screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it was just a lot around re changing my association with it as well. It's like, okay, I'm the sort of person that like, when I check my phone, I will, that's when I'm responding. If there's a message, I'm going to respond. I'm not going to like check it and text back later. So I've got these kind of a few texts in my mind, the mark, I should text back after I finish this one task and giving myself mental space. So So I'm only going to check it if I'm prepared to reply to whatever I've seen on there. That's a really good thing. So I guess that comes under the identity thing really, isn't it? Like I'm a a deliberate phone user or something like that. Yeah. 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 And then um, I guess finally to um, just give a final example, I did at work, I would put it in my bag and I would not, like just make it harder to get hold of. So but, that's the key thing, right? Make it obvious or make it invisible. So, well, I made it invisible. Yeah, yeah. Hit, hit the phone. Literally I made, it made it invisible. Yeah. yeah. I made it un- unattractive because I wasn't having like the phone flashing and buzzing and beeping at me. So it's unattractive because it's yeah. not like nice to look at. Yeah. Really. So, and so that's for the craving bit. Yeah. That's for the craving bit. For, for the response, um, making it, difficult it's i think it was more around i made it i made it easy not to i don't know if that's the same as yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i made it i made it easy not just to go on it because it was in my bag and i was reassigning my identity as someone who doesn't use that phone yeah. as much i mean this is something that's definitely slipped off during covid for sure because i'm now communicating a lot more over the phone yeah the environment's and then changed. It, yeah, and then generally making it like un, unsatisfying. I, I guess as I became the sort of person who used the phone less and was more in the real world and more present and was learning about how that helps me pay attention, how I'm listening better, how I'm just a better friend, I'm more mm. present in my interactions with people, I'm better at work, I'm less distracted. Hundreds of reasons. Like it made it unsatisfying to mm. be distracted. And just in doing this as well, your awareness would go up about when other people are using their phones, yeah. when, um, so you make, I guess you can, it's unsatisfying to be around other people who are on theirs. So I guess in turn, yeah. you become the person who's right. more present. So people are more present with you. Yeah. Yeah. As well. Um, yeah. Like if you're sat at a coffee table, someone's just texting like, and you're just sat looking at them like that's different. So if you're both just sat texting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, um, yeah, I think we've kind of gone through the different stages, but that's something I've, I mean, for me, it's an ongoing challenge based on the requirements of life and work and, you know, do my banking on my phone. Like everything's on your phone yeah. now. And I, I'm, that's, that's a goal of mine and a habit I'm trying to build. So something I'll yeah. take away from from this is trying to re-establish that. So what I've done is I've slipped off on that. And what he refers to in this is that 
if if you fall off the wagon, like just don't miss twice. Don't skip twice because yeah. if you have yeah. if you have two days off in a row where my screen time went up, like you know, was over the limit, I set it and um, I was using it more than I wanted to or should. Mm. Um, then you're then you've missed a streak. Whereas like one day is fine, you can kind of forgive yourself for that. But if you start casting more votes, it's basically like it gives a really great example of like if you just if even if you don't feel like going to the gym, just do like I know five, you know, ten press ups, ten sit ups, ten tricep dips. Mm. Like you're not going to lose the muscle that you've built, right? But if yeah, you, yeah. If, if you don't go you will lose muscle. So simply yeah. just like, even if you're just doing it badly, like it's still better than doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if on a bad day you can just not get worse, <laughs> like that's really yeah. good. Right. <laughs> I think that's a really important thing to talk about. I guess in relation to phone use as well, if I've had a bad morning on it, I'm just like, oh, shit, I've used my phone too much this yeah. morning. Like the tendency is to be like, well, fuck the rest of the day has gone. I might as well right. just, not think about it anymore. Whereas like, actually I've got the whole afternoon, like life isn't a series of 24 hour cycles. I can start again. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it. I can start again at midday. I've got to the rest of the day to kind of cast a good vote for myself. I don't need to write off the whole day because I, that's what it says. That if you have a bad, if you have an unhealthy meal, like you can follow that up with a healthy dinner. Yeah. Whereas my tendency. And I think, I don't know if yours is or not, but like if I haven't gone to the gym, then I probably will eat badly. And then because of that, I might be like, oh, fuck, I'll, I'll have a beer tonight with dinner. Like it all is kind of like the opposite of habit stacking. Yeah. It's like ne- negative stacking. It compound, what would you call it? Compounding downwards. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's- it can get worse quite quickly. The ball can get rolling really quickly for me. So yeah. And we've got all these associations. Like I, as well as it's weird as well as having an identity as a healthy person. I also have an identity as an unhealthy person, which can lie dormant. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like you say, if, if I tap into it, whether, um, sleeping in, like not doing the workout I plan to, um, buying a pizza, then it, then it like clicks into my old, um, I guess identity, which as you said, has a chain of associations, beer, cake, like, uh, going to bed later, like there's a whole package deal that comes with, mm. with with tapping into a bad habit again. And I think with that as well, you can you know you can sort of wake up two weeks later and you're like, fuck, I've just I've not been sleeping properly. I've been eating rubbish. I've mm. barely exercised. It's th- th- there's an element of needing to keep on top of this and mm. trying to get back on it. You know those days where yeah, you've just eaten badly for like three days in a row. But you could have you could have nipped that in the bud after the first bad meal. Yeah, you could have been like, right, I had that meal, enjoyed it in the short term, but now I have a healthy dinner. It's, so it's I'm almost like building, having uh, old bad habits being a cue for something. Like uh, it's like, oh, so this is a cue to either tap into my identity to watch. Um, for me, like there are, you know, a couple of documentaries that I know would have inspired me in the past. So it's like, okay, so I've, I've had pizza and cake. Maybe this evening I watched that old documentary and that helps reestablish that identity and makes what I've just done, you know, makes 
continuing this pattern more and attractive, something like that. He talks about um, behavior that is rewarded um, immediately is repeated and behavior that is punished immediately is avoided. So I'm thinking about just what we're talking about. You know, if you had that bad meal and you're not feeling great about it, yeah. I'm wondering what he means in terms of punishment to make sure you don't do it again. Because it, obviously it doesn't seem healthy to be overly self-critical of yourself yeah, when you've yeah. slipped up and you've made a mistake. But in punishing yourself, I suppose that's what he means, just making it unsatisfying, make it like an unsatisfying yeah. thing to do. I don't think like you, you have, have to, to punish in terms of like self-condemn. But yeah, making you have to put the thing... cross on your habit stack, your habit... Um, yeah, tracker or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not so much, yeah, punishment, but. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about with um, minimizing bad habits is pointing and calling. So, yes, yes. In the book, you gave this example of the Japanese rail system where, yeah. if you apparently, if you go there, you'll see people like the people who work there, you know, pointing at the doors and be like, you know, doors open, the time is this. And just like as, as a health and safety routine, they point and label every step of the way between, you know, the train coming in, people getting off, people getting on doors, closing train, leaving. Right. Yeah. And, and part of that is to like somehow minimize mistakes yeah. um, which there's evidence to suggest it works. And he suggested like, using this as a way to sort of catch yourself. And so mm. I, I've, I've been trying this out. So with the phone I example, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. I, live, I live on my own so I can get away with this. But like with the phone example, I will catch myself like going to pick it up when like I'm probably not willing to <laughs> in that moment respond to any notifications and I'm not like planning to call anyone. I just have this, this craving to check it. Yeah. And so I, I just, and, uh, and when I do that, I've been trying to be like, I'm, I want to pick up my phone and like pointing at it and saying it out loud. And it just makes yeah. it so obvious. And then it, 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 I feel like I've created a choice point then and I can choose not to do it again. Well, I, I, I'm working on my computer and it's like, I'm about to slide down to go to check my email for no real reason. Mm. And I just, <laughs> I'm going to check, I want to check my email and it, it, I found that really helpful. Yeah, because that's a lot around, um, obviously, you built, like, a habit or a, a tendency to reach for your phone or check your email. So, And that's gone on for so long or a amount of time where it's kind of slipped into your unconscious. So by yeah. pointing and calling, you're bringing it to conscious. Yeah, yeah. Like, to a, con a conscious level. And then you have a choice. Like, there's a quote he puts in the book. Um, I might read it out. Um, yeah, go for it. It's, it's, a, it's a Carl Jung quote. It says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it fate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, really, that really hit me, is it? It's a great I think quote. something I've, I've, I found interesting with this, though, is that so there's, it's like you're, in doing that, you're bringing something from the unconscious into the conscious but then you almost want to like put it back in the unconscious again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah, bring it out of consciousness, see if what it really is, make a choice how you want to respond yeah. and then do that enough times that it pops back down into your unconscious Definitely. and becomes yeah. a, a new habit. So in terms of turning a bad habit into a good habit, I feel like that's the path. Like mm. 
be aware of it, see if what it is, choose how you want to deal with it. What's a better response you could have act out that response multiple times, get the reps mm. in, um, embed it into your identity and eventually it'll just seep back into the unconscious. So yeah, yeah. imagine like an interesting exercise would be to really like look at your morning routine or even just what you do day to day and yeah. pointing and calling could really highlight that. It's like, Oh fuck, I've reached my phone way more than I thought. Or like, yeah, yeah. So I, if I'm down, saying that like five times an hour, it's like, wow, it's, it makes it more obvious what I'm doing. Mm. And that's what, that's what I did with a, um, at one point doing a food diary. So I could, oh, yeah. and doing an exercise diary as well. Just looking, I did it for a month. I said, right, I'm going to look at exactly what I'm eating every, so to get a real good perspective on like, yeah. how often, how often am I just saying, fuck it. And just having that piece of cake at work and then yeah. exercise like how often am i doing you know certain workouts or working certain parts of the body is there something i'm missing here um is that yeah. why i'm not happy with this aspect of it so so this really, is measurement really, right yeah it talks yeah. about no, really measuring your that. habits and it's um so it's it's like if you uh let's say you wanted to um, cut down on your drinking before doing any cutting down it might be helpful just to write down exactly what you have drank that week without any indi- like attempt to try to cut it down just acknowledge what you're doing uh, that's a great yeah. starting point and so well, that work- I- it works both ways right and then you can also use that as momentum and identity so like if you've got uh, what does he call it is it the habit it is habit tracking, isn't it? So like, if yeah, you can see like, yeah. look, you know, for 30 days I've done this habit, it, it can like help spur you along. And that's what I've got in my, my diary. I bought one of these, um, these diaries a couple of years back and each, each week it's got a habit tracker. Oh, yeah. So I write down my, I write down my habits and I'll like tick it off throughout the week. And on a mm-hmm. Sunday I'll always do like a bit of a, a journal review and I'll look across my week and go, okay, I exercised five days out of seven this week. I meditated, um, you know, 12 times out of a possible 14. I try and mm. do two a day. And yeah. I, I think there's, there's real value in trying to taking some time to work out what are the things you do on a daily basis and are they, yeah, he, in the book, he talks about that. He goes, unpack like what you do yeah, on yeah. a daily basis. He calls it a habit good. scorecard. So it's like, so review review your life first. It's like, um, so, you know, things like I didn't even realize like making the bed is just a habit. It's so ingrained. It's like cleaning your teeth. It's a habit. Like, um, the way you cook, the way you wash up the, the, whatever, like so many of your daily routine is a habit. And he's like, think of all the habits you do from out the day, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. And he's like, write them all down. And then like, are they, decide for yourself whether you think they're good, bad or neutral. Um, and you can, you know, celebrate the good ones. You can look at minimizing the bad ones. You can use the neutral ones as cues for new habits you want Mm. to stack. So yeah, that was a real foundation, um, wasn't it? What's an example of a neutral one? Just so people, you know, everyone got an idea what a good habit is and a bad Mm. habit. Would neutral be like brushing your teeth? Cause it's just sort of is what it is. No, I'd say that's a really good habit. <laughs> good one. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard. I, I can't. It's hard to think what a niche award might be. Um, I guess something just kind of relatively indifferent, like tying up your shoelace, like something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I guess you could decide for it's yourself. It's hard not to think, is it? Or it, like it's either good or bad. I don't know. You might. I guess if it's not clear, then it doesn't need an action. Right. If it's a good one, like, you know, I should be doing more of this. I should celebrate this. I can build other habits around this. You'll know when a habit's bad because you can see the way. Actually, maybe you won't, but like you, you, if you look at it clearly, you'll see whether that's good or bad in, in your life. This isn't, to the person you this isn't quite the same because it's not a habit, but he also talked about just um, writing down things that happen every day. So like the sun rising, um, getting hungry, like things that it's not a habit, but you know, you could use as cues if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess they're sort of neutral, but they're not really habits. So it doesn't really count. I wish I had more, um, natural cues in my life. Yeah. You know, you mean cues from nature? Yeah. Like when the sun came up, like, yeah, then I'd meditate or when I was hungry, then I'd eat rather than I eat at this particular time. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Mm, and um, I guess there's something I was thinking about and listened to in his chat he had with Sam Harris was around um, not just doing habits, you know, kind of just in the morning for the sake of it, but how can we redo them throughout the day? So we use the example of meditating, doing short um, one, two minute meditations throughout the day. Um, I wonder if that's something you, you thought about whether sometimes you do a habit and you kind of, right, I've done that for the day, but really the idea of a habit is to ingrain it into your life and allow it to affect you throughout the day. I think when, cause I listened to that too. I think they meant Sam Harris meant specifically meditation. It isn't something, so something like, let's say going for a run, that's not something you want, you ever want to be doing all day, every day, right? It's something you might mm. want in your life a particular time, a number of times yeah. a week. Whereas, whereas although you might have a structured meditation, uh, mindfulness being present of like current sensation and what's happening is the idea of the practice is to help embed it into your being so obviously, yeah. So yeah. It, it, I think it's it's an exception because there are things that, well, most almost all other things you don't want to be doing all the time. Whereas mm-hmm. being more present in the moment is probably something we're constantly wanting to do. Um, mm. Like you know, right now I don't want to be off thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch or yeah. what happened yesterday. I want to be engaged in this talk with you, and that's almost. Mm almost something I always want to be happening. So I think it's, I think to be honest, I think that's specific to mindfulness. Specific to mindfulness. Yeah. Cause with like the gym, you do the gym in the morning. So you kind of feel good for the rest of the day, but you yeah. don't want to like keep exercising throughout the day. Doing yeah. Like, you, gym you wouldn't want to do like, I mean, you obviously could, but like, I think there are little yeah, things yeah. like little yeah. stretches after you get up from a chair or something, but yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Thanks Matt. I've, um, yeah, I, I feel like we've we've covered a lot of what I wanted to speak about today. Um, yeah, I've got one more yeah, thing I want to go into. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, yeah, any any final thoughts you had or any final questions? So, um, 
with you know you talked about making the unconscious conscious and making it unconscious again uh he talked about like reviewing habits so for example there's actually evidence that uh once you've established a good habit this there's potential for it once it gets unconscious again to get slightly worse not in, not mm. worse in terms of quantity but worse in terms of quality so let's say um a habit is to practice the guitar every day. Yeah. You might be very consciously, you know, fingering an F chord. Um, but eventually that will become unconscious because you want it to. But if you've built, you know, a slightly bad habit in like the way you hold your wrist or the way you're holding a particular finger, you know, your risk, you're at risk of injury. So that's an example of like, um, even though you've built good habits, you might want to, periodically check them for if they can be tweaked and to bring them back into the conscious a bit and then embed them back in a bit. So you talk That's about the, that yeah, reviewing look, phase. <clears throat> yeah, look at them a bit clearer. And even that, that can involve getting someone else's opinion involved as well. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of, you imagine a, a professional singer who tours all year round and yeah, might help them like once a year, just go to like a singing teacher and be like, Hey, am I still using a good singing technique here? Or mm -hmm. am I still doing this as well as I could have. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's easy to, yeah, the, I, I can see how the quality could go down if it, it becomes so ingrained that yeah, it, it's unconscious. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's where just regular reflections and also just an increase in your awareness. So you actually, you're able to kind of watch your habits and how they play out on a day to day basis. I think Rather, he was, yeah. he was saying more like, um, I don't know, like re reviewing quarterly or something like every few months, I'm just going to take a step back, yeah. you know, zoom the lens up of my life, look yeah. at how my routines are going, think how I want to tweak them and then get them back into the unconscious. Cause yeah, you, you don't want to be constantly on top of yourself because that's the whole point, right? You want habits to be, um, you want them to be unconscious. You want to not have to be mm. putting effort into every decision. You want to just flow with life, but in a way that, is also taking you a direction you want to head. Okay. So it's these sort of occasional stepping out to review what you're doing. Makes me think maybe I'll start not doing weekly reviews or something. I might try doing one every fortnight. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I, I kind of every week I'll look and go, oh, did I do seven out of seven days on mm. this? But I wonder whether I'd get a bit more perspective, whether I did, you know, every two weeks or every three weeks. Mm. rather than like be, being on top of myself and um yeah interesting now it's, 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 um, it's nice how at the end of the book he goes through stuff like that you know the problems with building um you know habits if they um you know become too unconscious over time yeah, and habit yeah. tweaking things like that it's, yeah, it's a really great that's book. kind of a bit more yeah, advanced I'm, isn't it like that's like the end yeah. of the book once you've established a load of good habits i guess most of us are back at the beginning really trying to just get the good ones in place and minimize the exactly ones. yeah yeah so um i guess to finish off what would be your um main takeaway or couple of takeaways from the book so and how, how how are you going to implement them in your life so for me um I think the bits that were like most inspiring and new was the identity 
I associating identity with habit formation. So it's like, I'm not just trying to, um, meditate two minutes a morning. Like I want to see myself as a meditator like that. And mm. like, I, I'm not just wanting to do this exercise each day. I want, I want the identity of a fit, healthy person. Like for me, that yeah. that's really helped, um, to, you know, so far it's been a short time, as I said, but help to keep these things going when, um, I've perhaps been tempted not to or something like that. So that was um, yeah. a really, Oh, actually, I actually probably have also found that most helpful with bad habits. Hmm. So I think I mentioned to you the other day, there was this one night. So another habit I've uh, been forming is intermittent fasting. So I've tried to, yeah. um, you know, start eating later in the day and finish eating earlier in the day. So it's like, I have sort of about 16 hours, uh, including where I'm sleeping, where I'm not eating. And one evening I, I was so hungry. <laughs> no, not hung. I wasn't really, no, that's the wrong, wrong way to put it. I was really craving pizza. Um, mm. I was a little bit hungry, but I was really craving pizza. And like, as I got this craving, I could see like the Domino's box in my mind. I could see like mm. the cheese stringing off as I was peeling. <laughs> I could smell the garlic and herb dip. And I was like, what am I doing to myself? Like, I'm, I wasn't choosing this. It felt involuntary, but like to tell myself, like, I, I want to cast a vote for being a healthy person, I think was the most helpful thing yeah way i got Great. around that um so yeah identity for me was was mm. one of the key points and then secondly the um with with the four steps of a habit i think my troubles in the past have come from <laughs> there's an irony to this i'm i'm noticing but doing too much too soon and then yeah. getting overwhelmed, um, which time will tell whether I'm doing that again. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I guess by talking about it on the internet, hopefully it, that's enough accountability that I'll keep going. Yeah. Um, but, but like, you know, tr starting a new habit of doing a half an hour exercise routine and not, not being aware that, you know, what you really want is to say, I'll do press-ups for one minute and like, just do that every day until that's mm. ingrained. And then you can suck in the one on top. Like that yeah. for me has been really helpful to, um, sort of tell myself it's okay to make habits as small as possible when I'm starting them off fresh. Mm. That's something I've yeah. probably not done enough before, which is why the whole house of cards has tumbled in the past. Oh, glad, glad you got a lot out of this book. Actually, I was, um, mm. I, was, I, was I, I loved it. So I was really glad um, you jumped onto it when we said we we're going to speak about this one. I thought it'd be a great one to talk about. What, um, would, what stood out for you as the things you've most got out of it? Um, I would definitely. Um, I won't repeat what you said, but around making habits part of the identity, like that's clearly been a um, big part for me. And it's, it's nice to reflect on that's something I was already doing in a couple of aspects of my life already. Mm with the gym, like there's some things that have just become so non-negotiable in my life. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm the sort of person who goes to the gym or exercises. Um, I guess the other part, I've just been made 
um, in going back through this again and talking with you, it's just made me aware of how quickly yeah, the, the cards can crumble if I miss one route, one part of my routine or one mm. one habit, how it can affect other ones. And I'm, I'm yeah. well aware that, you know, in particular with diet and exercise, um, those two seem very linked. Yeah. And just um, just the bit around, you know, obviously not being hard on myself, but also not making it worse. It's not about perfection, but it's about... Um, yeah. Sometimes when you're tired, you're irritable, you're not really in the mood. Sometimes it's simply about just showing up, just yeah, yeah. doing something just to keep it going. Cause you may feel a bit better tomorrow. You might have a bit more motivation and how, how that will continue to keep me motivated knowing that like I am yeah. the sort of person who no matter how tired, no matter what's going on in my life will still show up and do the things that I know to be good for me. That's mm. the that's the main reminder that I've got from this. Um, yeah, yeah. There's um, Marshall Rosenberg who um, kind of created nonviolent communication. Has this saying? He says a lot, which is, "If something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly." Wow. Okay. Which is kind <laughs> yeah. of what you just yeah. said. Then it's yeah. like, if I'm feeling crap, just show up. Like, just do it badly <laughs> like that's fine yeah. you don't have to be perfectionistic about it just like yeah. um it's it's almost those are the wins right when you show up even when you're feeling crap even if you don't really have a particularly good exercise workout or whatever it's just like you're keeping that habit going it's easy to and do well when you're feeling great <laughs> and on on a on a real level as well like even when you are tired and you still do a bit of exercise or you still eat a healthy meal or you still meditate in general, you probably will just feel a bit better afterwards anyway. Yeah, yeah. So like even as a side note, as the kind of the result of that behavior um, yeah. and that have, you still will probably feel a bit better afterwards yeah. as well. But that, that's a really interesting reflection. Yeah. You can always start yeah. again. <clears throat> you can always start again. Yeah. Thanks mate. Yeah, thanks a lot. I've, uh, I'm really looking forward to speaking about this one with you. It's uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favourite books of 2019. I'd say. Cool. So um, yeah, definitely is it definitely in the top three that I read. Um, yeah, I was. I it was really well written as well. So like clear sentence structure, like clear structure of the entire book. I I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, he's a very um, down to earth, real guy. So if anyone listening ever watches any of his. Uh, interviews or you want to read the book it, he's got he's got quite a unique story as well how he came to analyze his habits and um went through a lot of changes in his life and starting from scratch to build new habits um yeah really enjoyable read easy to read um and yes yeah, few new ideas out there that inspired me cool. i'm wondering um whether you could just do a quick uh quick blurb on what we're talking about next week before we go good point you tell me, I've forgotten. <laughs> it's uh, the six, Nathaniel Brandon, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. I thought we were doing Mindset. <laughs> ah, we're doing Mindset then. Mindset by Carol Dweck. There we go. All right. All right, I remember now. Mindset. Mindset by, by Carol Dweck. Dweck. Yeah. We'll do that one. <laughs> Good to chat, mate. Cool. Yeah, nice one, mate. I'll chat See you, you next soon. time. Bye. See you, brother. Bye.